We get the thing them so them are ferret way. Can we attack it to them wicked up lately? I know the whole community I live greatly. G'day! Welcome to episode three of the Pork and Feed the Birds. I am Tom Tanicky and we cover actions, we cover direct actions, we cover activism, we cover resistance, and we cover things like the enormous Invasion Day rallies that were held all around the nation on Sunday, January the 26th. They were huge. Last episode, I talked to Celeste Little in the lead up to the Invasion Day rally about what the purpose was of the day, um, what she expected for the day, and so on and so forth. Later on in the podcast, I'm going to get into a bit of a recap of the rally from my perspective, because I was taking an active role, at least in looking around for interfering alt-right dead sheets. So I can talk about that and I can talk about my perspective of the rally and we will do that. I'll also get into the hallmark of this podcast at the end of it, which is the rally action activist gig guide that we'll be doing every episode. So we'll be doing all that, but one thing we're going to be doing first of all is talking to Lydia Thorpe. Lydia is a Gunai Gunditjmara woman. Um, she's a legend. Uh, she's an activist. She's an organiser of the Invasion Day Dawn service, as well as for the rally itself. Um, she's an ex-Greens uh, politician. She won the seat of Northcote in the 2017 by-election. Um, and uh, she's one of the people who's been spearheading and being a voice for the Pay the Rent campaign, which is a big feature and certainly a big talking point in the 2020 Invasion Day uh, rally and in the lead-up. So we're going to be talking to Lydia, first of all, and then we'll get into the rest of the podcast. Let's take it away. Good morning, Lydia. How are you going? Good morning, Tom. I'm going well uh, on this extremely hot day that we're experiencing here in Melbourne. Oh, oh, it's unbelievable, isn't it? How was Sunday, January 26th? That was a hot day and it was a big one for you, hey? Yeah, look, it always is. Um, the lead-up to Invasion days is just as big. You know, the, the feeling of anxiety and the pressure of, um, you know, the racism that's experienced by our people, um, the organising that goes into it, the negotiations that go into it to ensure that our people are safe um, when, we, when we do come together is, yeah, it's massive. and. Um, I think more and more people are coming out to show solidarity and are willing to speak the truth of this country. So I think, you know, 2020 vision, it's um, it's time. It's amazing, hey? It's a slew of several years of enormous Invasion Day rallies. And, hey, you also organised the second large-scale dawn service. How did the dawn service go, mate? Uh, that, that's just a, you know, powerful, um, emotional event that brings people together to basically share the load and, and bring back um, the legacy or continue the legacy of our old people who called for that day to be a day of mourning. So that's what it is. It's a, it's a day or an event where we mourn. We read out the, the many massacres that have happened in what is now known as Victoria. Uh, and when you have, you know, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people reading out those massacres of, of who was responsible for the murders and how many of our people 
died as a result of that first war uh, is, yeah, it's, it's deeply emotional and I believe that, you know, from the overwhelming response that everybody connected to that and we're able to you know, cry together and share that load together, which is what this nation needs to do. Yeah, and, and like the Invasion Day rallies, it, it's grown so much, which is incredible. And and I think we've seen the we've seen the pay the rent campaign kick off full steam this year, and it was a bit of a feature of this year's rally in Melbourne. It certainly caught a lot of people's attention. How did can I ask first of all, did you how did that go? Did people take up the call to pay the rent at the rally? They sure did. Um, I can't. Um, you know, we're looking at ways to communicate uh, the amount of money that's been raised, but it's it's just overwhelming. Um, the amount of support, people have put their money where their mouth is and contributed what they could afford, uh, which enables us, us to self-determine our own destiny. And, you know, it's going to contribute to uh, our people's funerals, which is an everyday struggle. Uh, we've already got Grandmothers Against Removals organising their next gathering to bring together, you know, 40-plus elders who are fighting to have their grandchildren back in Aboriginal mothers' hands. Uh, so it's already enabled so much to happen. Amazing. So there's already tangible measures that are coming out of it. But I guess you've, you've been, uh, to get to basics, you've been asked a million times before lately, I have no doubt, but so we're clear and so I'm not, you know, putting words in your mouth. What is pay the rent? Pay the rent is a mechanism that, our old people came up with uh, in the early 70s through the National Aboriginal and Islander Health Organisation. Uh, it's a way that we can... Uh, well, it's a way that non-Aboriginal people, those living on stolen land, can uh, contribute to the many um, campaigns that need to be run to address these injustices that our people are facing. Now, back then it was, um, you know, a political voice and it was about the establishment of Aboriginal health services around the country, which were also our political voice back then. Um, so, you know, government are still rationing out what they believe um, is enough for our people to address, you know, or to be part of addressing the injustices. Uh, but we all know that government funds are taken up predominantly by the bureaucracy and also um, lately by many, many white non-government organisations that are competing for those dollars. And so whatever gets to the people is is a, is a scraps of what um, the government say they give us. And it's just not enough. Um, I personally have had Many, many families reach out to me to, for assistance to contribute to funeral costs. Uh, I've been part of Grandmothers Against Removals who, uh, it's, you know, they're not recognised by the government, nor do we want them recognised, but, you know, they call out the, um, the, the practices of the Department of Human Services who are removing our children and, you know, they, these grandmothers are turning up to court on their own, mm. without court, without legal advice, and 
you know, if these children are being removed away from their parents for, you know, for various reasons, then these grandmothers are saying, we can look after our grandchildren. They don't need to go into non-Aboriginal homes or community. We want them to stay in our community. And so this enables those grandmothers to have a voice and to be supported to, you know, attend court, but also gather and, and share their experiences and uh, become a, co- a collective that uh, has a strong voice. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pay to rent um, is is just a way that we can self-determine what fights we need to continue to fight. Um, it's not reparations. It's not a deal that we're doing with the government or, you know, uh, non-Aboriginal people in this country. It's purely saying to those on stolen land, that we, we need to be resourced to um, continue this struggle. Yeah, and I love it. I love to hear it. But <laughs> there's been a bit of a shocked reaction. I, I, I can't – I'm shocked that they're shocked, but I've still nevertheless seen a shocked reaction from certain elements, of, you know, conservative elements of the media recently over Pay the Rent. Like I listened to your very good Neil Mitchell interview and he – appeared to adopt this like profoundly stunned response to the suggestions to pay the rent. But I, I mean it's not, you know, it's it's not new, is it? You know, there's a there's a there's a long history to the conversation. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I wouldn't expect anything less from the from the conservatives. And people do have a right to question this. I'm not um, saying that people shouldn't question what we're doing. Um, but, you know, personal attacks is, is not the way to go. And, you know, there's a lot of support for this. And I think the more people understand what it is, the more people will get on board, uh, including Neil Mitchell. You know, maybe I, I need to um, seek a, another interview and ask when he's going to contribute to paying the rent because he also benefits from being on stolen land. We're not benefiting from from anything. We're not, you know, receiving any kind of compensation for the destruction of our land or the genocide of our people. So this is a way where we can continue our efforts to seek justice. Maybe we can get a campaign going to specifically get Neil Mitchell to pay the rent. Absolutely. Why not? Maybe throw in Andrew Bolt while we're there. <laughs> Hound certain individuals to change their mind. Um, we could um, send an invoice for um, back rent, you know, that's that's another option. I mean, I, I've always wanted to send an invoice to the Victorian Parliament given the sandstone that the Victorian Parliament is built of. Yeah. It's stolen straight out of my country at Garrawood, which is what the colonisers now call the Grampians. But that sandstone is stolen sandstone from our country. So um, we're still, you know, working out what that um, looks like in monetary value so that they can also be sent uh, an invoice for uh, the stolen wealth that they've created, but also the destruction that uh, went along with, with removing that sandstone. Yeah, for sure. Lydia, pay the rent is a conversation. I mean, getting beyond your your Neil Mitchells and your Andrew Bolts, who you know, some you know, in some of their cases, certainly there's a bit there's an obvious agenda there. But um, uh, you know, 
I think there's this blockage to the conversation, if not for reparations and certainly for pay the rent. And, you know, it's kind of, to me, it's tied into the settler coloniser history here. But I also think there's modern examples that have made it a tougher conversation, like when, you know, John Howard refused to even consider making a formal apology because of what he said were the implied financial obligations that he said would come with it. So now when we're talking about pay the rent, people are, you know, they've got it in their mindset to be horrified about the conversation. But yet I see the pay the rent thing's quite successful. Have you had many hard conversations about this since it's come about? And do you think that people are changing their mind and, and learning more about it? Uh, the hard conversations have not ended. Mm. Um, even before this interview, I was having hard conversations um, because it is new to people and, you know, anything new people are fearful of, um, particularly when it comes to pulling cash out of your pocket. Um, So, you know, I appreciate that and we're up for that hard conversation. We've been having hard conversations for 250 years. So, um, you know, if we look at uh, Stolen Generation, for example, every state and territory has reparated um, Stolen Generation members except for Victoria. So, you know, what are we waiting for? Are we waiting for our our people to die off before um, they get justice? Well, no, I'm not waiting for that. We need justice now and we'll do it our way um, that that we uh, self-determine what our priority is rather than the government continuing to set the agenda and oppress us. in you know, and decide how much money that they need to reparate, or how much money they need to provide for welfare services. We don't want welfare. This is not welfare. This is not charity. This is just the right thing to do uh, that enables our people to, you know, as I said earlier, self-determine our own destiny. It's reasonable. It's responsible. It's rational. And that's what our old people said over forty years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to, you know, the, I'm excited to see the justice in the pay the rent convo taking off, you know, but there's also, there's an anarchist in me that's excited to see what kind of power could be built outside of the state's hands, you know, not reliant on on begging for taxes and not reliant on begging for, for you know, for, for things to be funded, you know, as this grows more successful. What kind of enterprises are being looked at Lydia, if the pay the rent campaign is really takes off down the track? Well, that's something for um, my people to decide. Yeah. It's not, you know, I'm happy to um, talk about it out there and, and bring people in, but we've organised a community meeting uh, in two weeks' time so that our people can um, be part of the decision-making and yeah, look, I, I can't answer that. I know that there's lots of brilliant ideas that our people want to bring to the table, yeah. uh, but at the same time, they want to also know more about what what this is and and how they can participate. So, um, in fairness, you know, this has to go back to the people now, yeah. and they need to be part of the priority setting. But you know, our, our initial priorities are. Uh, grandmothers against removals, you know, the, the fight against death in custody, um, the mass incarceration of our women, children and our babies, our 10-year-old babies are being locked up more than ever 
in Victoria alone, um, let alone the rest of the country. And it's also to ensure that we have a voice at the table in this whole climate discussion um, that we don't have at the moment. So those priorities are are purely because of, you know, observing over the last few years of what our people are continually fighting against. And if community have, you know, more priorities that they want to put to the table, then, you know, that's what this is about. And if they see that any of the priorities that, that we've set um, aren't the priority, then, you know, we will also listen to that. Sure, sure. Lydia, where can we go and learn more about paying the rent? There is a website, uh, www.paytherent, one word, .net.au. And, you know, this isn't just Aboriginal people working on this. this we have allies working on this too. So we have quite a, a collective of black and white people working on this, which I think is, you know, is an important part of the process also. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lydia, I've signed up to pay the rent a few days ago. I think it was important for me to do that before um, having this conversation and I really admire the campaign as it's taken off so far and I recommend that everyone who's listening do the same and look at the website as well. Lydia, thank you so much for your hard work and thanks for the conversation. My pleasure. On to the rally report for Melbourne's Invasion Day on Sunday, January the 26th. Look, the rally had maybe 40 to 50k. I don't actually know because it's hard to tell with a rally of that size. Many, many people attended as always. Blocks and blocks of people. I know that Celeste Little tweeted 200,000 in what but it was obviously a gag about the historic underreporting of these invasion day rallies as we talked about in the last episode but it seemed like every lefty took it really seriously and missed the humor in what she'd said so fuck it whatever who cares no media reports it correctly anyway let's go with 200 fucking thousand look it's a hot day many people attend and have done so for years and it's an important barometer for understanding how important an issue is more broadly to the people how many people rock up and show their support, you know? In the case of Invasion Day, many. This is only gonna grow. It's not just a thing now, it's the thing. Anyway, as to the rally itself beyond size, they had an incredible 3CR collaboration set up. I loved it, wherein you could hear speeches uh, via the radio. All you had to do was tap in via the 3CR app or bring along a speaker or radio or what have you and then you could hear the speeches. And I can't stress how important that is when there's 70 million people there and you can't hear what they're saying. The worst thing about these big events is not being able to hear what anyone's saying and then it's just you standing like a lump on your own. This addresses a huge issue and I really hope organisers will, will work out similar ways to take heed of that to adopt it in the future um, if they're doing another video. Look, I got I didn't get to hear many of them, but there were many excellent speakers at several points throughout the march and from the start to the end at Flinders Street. I did get to hear the brilliant and legendary Gary, Gary Foley at the Flinders Street Steps. Um, the St Paul's Cathedral at Flinders Street intersection was being a fucking pest during the speeches and ringing its bells constantly for like 15 to 20 minutes, which I swear I thought was intentional. I don't know. Maybe 
uh, ho hopefully organisers can reach out to, to the cathedral and ask them to, to um, shut the fucking bells up next year. I don't know. But anyway, Gary started his speech out by turning to the bells and thanking God, which made me laugh. Bit of a highlight for me. Love a bit of humour, particularly when you're roasting on a hot day and moving about in a block looking for assholes. Because yes, that's what my role in the day was. Non-violent asshole block pest patrol. We're a large coordinated group of people basically roaming around looking for pests. Hey, I don't want to act as though we were the only ones doing that. There were many, many marshals who did an incredible job and, and uh, escorted away many threats themselves. Organisers were, you know, for a rally of this size with this many potential threats, organisers have to do a fucking backbreaking job and I doffed my cap to them and, you know, I, we only contributed in a smallish way, but in the best way we know how, which is to look around for old life pests. No secrets here, guys. The rally is an important one. We know that nationalist agitators want to provoke it, into ruining its own reputation and that because they tried to do so for several years and we don't want to let them. So of course we're not going to make a dick out of ourselves or go too hard, we were just there to try and protect the integrity of the rally. Between our block's efforts though and the, I have to say, surprisingly advanced approach that I think Vic Pol now seem to be taking with these pests, nothing really went wrong at all. No real sort of incursions or interferences, which was great. The pests we detected were as follows. We knew that Neil Erickson was standing in a plant cape on the Flinders Street steps, copying what his mate Ricky Turner did last year, standing while the rally approached on the steps until it made some big language. Of course, that was my point. This year, though, they couldn't be fucked, so the coppers arrested him way before the rally even got there. I mean, you know, they know that he was trying to provoke a hostile reaction and they probably can't be fucked waiting for him to do that anymore. I assume, naturally I assume. So that was that was a relief. A large group of Proud Boys, secondly, who'd all printed bright blue t-shirts saying Governor Arthur Phillip did nothing wrong, demonstrating their Wikipedia skills. They also stood on the step of uh, the steps of Flinders Street after Neil had been carted off and presumably wanted to copy the too. But they didn't even get arrested before the rally could arrive. They were just asked by coppers to leave, so they all caught a train somewhere else. You know? They're very good boys. They're not just proud boys. They're good boys too. Nice one, good boys. You wasted your nice new t-shirts. Thirdly and finally, Arby Yemeni was doing the only thing he ever does, which is trying to interview people at the rally to make them look silly to put into his interview so that he can ask for more subscribers. Our block found him, we said lots of things to him he doesn't like, and we were generally being pests to that pest. At one point, Arby Yemeni shook my hand and he said the same thing to me. You know, he only has a hat never has two or three different um, prepared uh, questions that he asks people. And what he obviously found the most shocking um, was the fact that the rally organisers, including Lydia, who we heard from before, uh, were asking people to pay the rent. And I struggled to understand why Avi Yemeni finds that so hard to wrap his head around, given that he asks for money as a solution to broad societal problems in every single one of his fucking videos. 
Why are you finding it so hard that people would ask for money to further their causes? That's all you ever fucking do, mate. Except for all that goes for, presumably, is little bumps of coke so that you can get the Dutch courage to go up and troll more rallies. I don't know if he's a coke thing or not, but he certainly looks like he is. He may be wired from coke, or he might just be wired from pure, sheer, unadulted narcissism. Nevertheless, we were being such pests to him that the coppers got sick of him and they arrested him. See ya, mate. Avi and Neil both say that they're now going to take the cops to court, which is just funny and I hope I never give Hopefully I never even have to talk about it again. I don't give a shit what they do in their spare time, so long as they don't try and ruin proper actions. I'm feeling really good about the frustrated efforts of these dedicated pests, because believe it or not, countering them and talking about them is not the main aim of my life. You understand that I have come out of, of you know, grown from, from anti-fascist organising, but I really do regard them as organised distractions for bigger issues. They really are pests. And what they are with big efforts like Invasion Day is parasites. They try to warp the positive energy of days like that and manipulate it into something that ruins its reputation and, particularly in the case of RV, makes them money. If we can keep the pests down, for us, that's a good way to show some solidarity with Invasion Day attendees and organisers and Indigenous people, but it's also helping to grow these movements by taking away obstacles that stand in their way. Even if those obstacles are just street level camera wielding pests. Because some people might say to you, oh, don't worry about the RVs, look at what the state does. And I understand, to a degree, I agree. But you only need to look at people like Andy No in Portland to see just how damaging one camera wielding pest can be to a movement if they provoke it in the right or the wrong way. So that's where I believe what we do can come in handy. Long may we continue to do it in the future. Anyway, brilliant large scale rally, reflective of a desire for a reframing of national consciousness and an abolition of the state as it is and a prioritization of first peoples and indigenous peoples needs and sovereignty great job everyone love it thank you to all the organizers um, putting on such a brilliant event thank you to all the marshals thank you to everyone from our asshole block and thank you to the pests for not knowing how to deal with this <laughs> Onto the rally gig guide for the next couple of weeks. The swarms of the city for climate justice continue on Fridays all around the nation. Don't let the momentum subside. That's the message. Don't get used to these bushfires just because they've abated for now. Actually, for Canberra and for all around the nation, we probably haven't even seen the worst of it yet. Sack fucking ScoMo. Sack insert PM here. Fuck you. Check the Uni Students for Climate Change page for details. There's an introduction to the Refugee Action Collective happening on February the 3rd at the ANMF in Melbourne CBD. Good way to look at joining and find out more. Get the hell on down to the Refugee Action Collective page on Facebook for details. Big protest coming up on Feb 9, a rally against the Religious Discrimination Bill tabled by our Christian fundamentalist Happy Clapper PM. 
February the 9th at 1pm at the State Library, organised by the Rainbow Rebellion. Get on down! Send me through your important events and hit me up if you want to discuss them on the podcast. That's it for now, my sweet angels, my sweet cherubs. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Pork and Feed the Birds. Please subscribe to me, to this, on your favourite podcast platform. It should be on all of them now. Please hit me up if it's not. Please give me a lovely lovely review as well if you're on Apple Podcasts. Those things help greatly in bringing this to the attention of more people. Please tell a mate who's interested in grassroots action about this podcast as well. Please, I beg of you. Please help me if you can also by chucking a clam or two at me on Patreon. Today or in the last couple of days I've done a video, this episode and an article about dealing with alt-right pests and believe you me, all up, it's a very full load in addition to coordination and all the other things I do behind the scenes. I do not need your money more than the very important causes that I'll regularly discuss and promote in this podcast, but if you believe in what I do and want to support me to do more of it, I would be very grateful. Always hit me up via the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever, with any suggestions, thoughts, or simply to yarn. I love a yarn. I love working with people. And if you've got rallies to promote or the like, I'd love to talk to you on the podcast. See you next time. Pay the fucking rent, mate.